Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. I am the girlfriend, Cindy. I'm a titular again. I am the girlfriend, Cindy. With me, as always, is Josh. Not the girlfriend. Not the girlfriend. He's someone who loves history of horror, and I'm someone who's still learning it and scared by it. Each month, we pick a theme, and we watch movies about it, and uh, try not to kill me. Uh, um, we actually try to kill you. That's the title of the show. <sighs> the plan is, I want to murder you for your... For my what? Teachers. For my public school teacher retirement policy. Yes, and your crushing debt. Yay! I want to take a point your crushing debt. <laughs> so for March, we are doing H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and Lovecraftian movies. What uh, are we doing this week? Uh, the Resurrected. We're what was the name of the machine? The in from, No, that was Resonator. The Resonator, yeah. And the Reanimator. And now the Resurrectioner. Wait, what? The, the Resurrected. <laughs> this movie is not Stuart Gordon directed, though. Who directed this? Uh, Dan O'Bannon. I'm excited to talk about Dan O'Bannon. Dan O'Bannon? Uh, Dan O'Bannon, not Dan O'Bannon. Whatever, uh, Dan O'Bannon, here it is. Uh, the Resurrected is rated R. It is one but hour. Aren't they all? And 48 minutes long. Mm, 18 minutes too long in my book. <laughs> it is also... Uh, it was released mm. April 15th of 1992. Okay. Direct to video. So 1992, I was 12. I would have just graduated from sixth grade. We didn't have middle school way back when I was a kid. I didn't have middle school either. I just, yeah, that's right. Uh, we I just did... Because my town was small. Same here. First through sixth. And then... Seven and up. Enjoy. So I definitely took like French one with, you know, 18 year olds. So same. (laughs) I didn't take French because my school didn't have French. But the way the lockers worked. So Mm -hmm. you started on one side of the building and then they wrapped around to the senior hallway. Okay. Which meant that as a seventh grader, your lockers were right beside the senior lockers. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Now we had. uh... That was fun. It was kind of, our building was kind of shaped like the pie symbol. There was like the main corridor and then two that went off. And then there was three stories. So they had us broken up pretty good. But my, the layout of my high school, um, I'll tell you this quickly because it's crazy. Crazy? So Peyton City used to have a much larger high school that burned down. Did you do that? When my dad was a senior. Did he do that? No, I think he was a senior, junior, senior. Senior prank on Rome. But... When they rebuild it, they rebuild it for the appropriate shrinkage of students they'd had ah. in the interim. But the they had managed to save this beautiful gym. So if you go into Payton City High School, half of the school is the old gym. <laughs> um. It's like a tiny school connected to a massive fucking gymnasium. It's really weird. Our gym looks like the uh, Hall of Justice. From uh, the Justice League, very much so. Uh, my high school it was like gym, the dome with like the points on the end. Yeah, my high school gym looked like something out of Hoosiers. <laughs> like just beautiful wooden. I mean, it's a very beautiful gym if you could, you know, call such a thing beautiful. But it, it really is like the gym and the built the rooms underneath it. 
because it's two stories, are the size of the rest of the fucking school. I want to uh, know Pop Vernon. That was the name of it. Pop Vernon Fieldhouse was its official name, I think. Anywho. Yeah. Uh, so 1992, I was 12. How old were you? 10. Well, when this came out in April, I would have been 9. Okay. 9. 9. Be high sensey. Okay. What was going on in 1992? <laughs> uh... 1992 is the year that Yugoslavia broke up. Uh, the Cold War officially ended. Jeffrey okay. Dahmer was sentenced to 16 consecutive uh, life sentences in prison. <laughs> Did he... Was he... I, I don't know. I don't care about serial killers. He was the one who... I know who he was, but I mean, was he... Did he die in prison or yeah, he was got, he death penalty? He got murdered by okay. another inmate with a sharpened spoon i believe do it to it brother yeah so that's a thing uh the bosnian war started the freddie mercury (laughs) tribute concert at wembley happened yep the rodney king riots occurred yep sinead o'connor ripped up that picture of the pope remember when that was like a big deal when that was Uh, something we had to be upset about do you remember when frank sinatra offered to fight her physically over that yep frank sinatra willing to fight women (laughs) That's the takeaway from this episode. That's fair. Good, a good Jersey boy. <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton won the presidency in 1992. Which is sexy to play himself. on the year. Yeah, he showed up on Arsenio and that really won it for him. Yep. People that were born in 1992, John Boyega, uh, Cara Delevingne, Cardi B, and Miley Cyrus. Yikes. It was a good year for Earth additions. All right. Earth subtractions. <laughs> People that died that year. Isaac Asimov. Mm-hmm. And... Marlena Dietrich. That's you know, sad. it was once said that all of the best female talent in Hollywood at one point went through Marlena Dietrich's legs. But um, bump. No, that was like a real saying. No, I know it's, just, it's quite a saying. Oops, quite a saying. Yeah, and the the words of that year that I picked for you were are not not were not. Oh yeah, uh, snail mail. Mm-hmm. And grunge, if that puts oh, you in perspective of where we were as a culture. Love it. So let's talk about this motherfucking movie. Motherfucking movie. Oh, The Resurrected. The Resurrected, straight uh, to VHS. Yeah, we talked about it being directed by Dan O'Bannon, and Dan that's O'Bannon. a big deal. Dan O'Bannon is a big deal, and I love him, and he doesn't get enough respect. Because all this stuff went straight to video? No, he only directed two movies, but he wrote a lot of stuff that is still very popular. Oh, okay. So Dan O'Bannon was one of two writers of Alien. The original. Yes, created the Alien universe. Uh, He also wrote Dead uh, Dead Buried, which is a fantastic horror movie. Not the sequel, the remake of Invaders from Mars that Toby Hooper directed in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Fun fact about that movie, I slept on my back for years after watching that movie. Because Why? there's a thing about if you sleep on your stomach, something can happen to you. Whatever. In my child blank, blank, childhood. My, my childhood. child brain was like, nope, we're sleeping on our back now, motherfucker. And I slept on my back for like a year and a half, two years. Um, my, I have a very fun sleep persona. And she would just be like, yeah, I don't fucking care. Bring it. Mm-hmm. She could probably fight it off more than I could. He also wrote the Arnold Schwarzenegger Total Recall. Okay, so he's written some pretty good, yeah. decent stuff. And then yeah. he... Wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead, which is like mm-hmm. a super fun movie that we're going to watch eventually. Okay. But he only directed this. Whatever, if he did any rewrites, 
he didn't get credit for him. The credited writer is Brent V. Friedman, who also wrote... The, what was the, that first name? Brent oh. V, as in victory, mm-hmm. Friedman. Got it. Who wrote Ticks, the movie Ticks, about large ticks. I assume. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mortal Kombat! The shitty sequel to the shitty, shitty Mortal movie. Kombat movie. Right. I, I say that, but I'm not going to lie. I, I did enjoy the original Mortal Kombat. And you probably Kombat. own a million different copies uh, of it. I, no, I don't own any of it, but... Actually, I don't own it on anything. Dang. I did see it in theaters, though, when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, well, look also, at you proving me wrong. Yeah, he also most, most recently wrote on the Star Wars, the Clone Wars cartoon. We love that. So, props to you, sir. Now, who's in this thing? Tell me. Who's in this motherfucker? Who's uh, in this straight to VHS? Not even DVD. Well, it's really sad, but we can cover that right now. We'll talk about it for a second. The reason that this went straight to VHS is... So it went straight to VHS because the company that was going to release it in theaters, uh, Interstar, I believe was the okay. name of the company, yeah. went bankrupt, bankrupt. And they just had to sell off everything quickly. And they were just bought up by like the so Weinstein. this went straight to video rather than getting the theatrical release it was promised. Aww. Because yeah. It's the story of Dan and Manon's life. Like anything he tried to do independent from... Like, yeah. Yeah, he just got fucked a lot. It was... It was pretty awful. That's not good. Uh, yeah. So this movie stars John Terry as John Marsh. Oh, what a strike. What a yeah. yeah. They really what a stretch it up. for a name. So I stuttered he, there. He played Slim in the 1992 <laughs> of Mice and Men movie. Oh, actually, I do know that. I saw that in the theaters. We went and saw that. I was. It was seventh grade mm-hmm. when we read of Mice mm-hmm. and Men. And that's for Cindy. No, it's not. Cindy cried a lot. No, no, no. I'm saying that that is how you'll know him. Oh, okay. Got it. I and people like me would know him for playing Hawk in Hawk the Slayer. <laughs> I got nothing. That movie, Hawk the Slayer, where okay. Jack Palance is like an evil sorcerer. <laughs> Jack Palance. Wow. As an evil sorcerer. And that movie fucking rules. <laughs> Like, that movie okay. is awesome. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this movie also stars Jane Siebert. She plays Claire Ward. Uh, youngins would know her as Carol on Friends. And as Hetty Newman in Herman's Head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get Chris... Sarandon. Oh, we know Chris Sarandon. We've yes. met him. My son was not impressed. We we have been intimate with Chris Sarandon. <laughs> Alex, Social discourse was had with Chris Sarandon. The youngest was not impressed. Social intercourse. He didn't look like... What was the voice that he... He wanted him to look like Jack Skellington. So, yeah, that was it. That's not possible. So we, we were just... It was just us and Chris Sarandon. There was nobody else there. We were just talking, hanging out at his table with him. And... Uh, the <laughs> the youngest had just come off the high of meeting Ric Flair, and to be fair, most people are a step down <laughs> after meeting Ric Flair. And you know, so we're talking to him, and even the teenager knows him from Princess Bride, and and young guy was just like, uh, um, can we go? Can we go? Uh, and so we tried saying, well, he's you know, this is you know, he's from West Virginia. Okay, he was in Princess Bride. Okay. 
voice of Jack Skellington. And all of a sudden there's like a little like, wait a minute. And then, doesn't look like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, unimpressed. And, and Sarandon took it in stride and was laughing. And he kind of said, uh, I'll let you know the next time I'm in West Virginia. Maybe I'll impress you then. Uh, I know him from Fright Night. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Fright Night. Nope. I know him from Princess Bride. When people are like, Lost Boys is the best gayest vampire movie from the 80s. I'm like, nah, uh Fright Night. <laughs> Whatever. A hundred percent. And lastly, mm-hmm. Richard Romanus plays Lonnie Peck. Listeners Romanus. might know him as Mike Demona from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Hmm. The one who sold the, yeah. always had the concert tickets and was like, you can't get pregnant your first time. I was going to say, the Everyone one who knocked her that. up. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll know when I see him because I do know that movie pretty well. Okay, Speaking, anybody else? No, but if I could just do a quick interlude. Okay. If someone out there through the power of technology can somehow get me to meet or get something signed by Jennifer Jason Lee. Speaking of Fast Times at Richmond High, call me. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much shit I need her to sign. Okay, yeah, that's it. Um, uh, I will say, lastly, hmm? just a bit of trivia before we move into showing you the poster and all that. So, sadly, Dan O'Bannon is no longer with us. He had real, and uh, we'll do Alien eventually, even though you've seen it. He had real, real bad Crohn's. Like, super oh, fucking wow. bad Crohn's disease. And, yeah, early 90s, we were still kind of figuring yeah. that out. So he would have days of just incredible intestinal pain that eventually Gosh. killed him. Yeah. Easily. And that's what prompted the movie Alien. It's like, oh, this thing inside me that feels alien is trying to claw its way out of my body. That's not so much a stretch for a guy who has incredibly bad Crohn's disease. Yeah. However... His wife has said, uh, Diane O'Bannon, and since his passing, D-O-B? D-O-D? Um, that the this film had been taken away from him and had been recut against his wishes to remove all of the humor he put into it. Oh. Because the thing about Dan O'Bannon is... He was a funny guy? And he put a lot of comedy. Like, And it's so weird because we talk about John Carpenter... As the maestro, it's like hallowed John, John Carpenter. And right. Because John Carpenter's John Carpenter. Well, because he, he John is still Carpenter kicking. went to USC with Dan O'Bannon. And John Carpenter's first film, Dark Star, was written by Dan O'Bannon. And Dan O'Bannon is one of the stars of that movie. Okay. And they went their separate ways after having a falling out. Oh. And one of them writes a bunch of really good movies and kind of falls into obscurity and dies... And the other one is, like, John Carpenter. We're literally sitting in a room surrounded by John Carpenter shit We are. Right yeah. I, I do believe that is going to be the final iteration of this. <laughs> of I'm this room will be. The rate I'm going, I'm also eventually going to need a Guillermo del Toro room. Right. And a Monster Squad room. Yep. So, but... Yeah, it just it's sad to me that this movie ha- was taken away from him and recut and all of the comedy that yeah. he tried to put. The guy who was known after Return of the Living Dead for making comedy horror really fucking right. good, they took it away from him and pulled out all the comedy and and so it just like, became it's just gonna be a straight horror movie so we can Aww. make as much money off it as possible and it just it, it 
It's, it's the last thing he ever directed. He only did two things. Okay. So is there a poster for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Resurrected. Uh, so we've got a poor man's Al Pacino. That's Chris Randon. Holding a girl <laughs> while a house burns. Okay. Death used to be the end. Now it's only the beginning. I'm going to say that it's about uh, people who die in a fire and they're uh, haunting the house. But it turns out that the monsters of the afterlife are what haunt them instead. I would pay to see that. Boom, boom, boom. I would definitely pay to see that. It's interesting that you pointed him out as being a poor man's. Al Pacino. In that picture, he does. He played Al Pacino's transgendered lover in Dog Day Afternoon. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That was kind of his first big thing. Also, Susan Sarandon took his name when she married him, hence why she's Susan Sarandon. That's just right. A, just a fact for everyone out there. That famous line from the Tina Turner movie, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, when she's like, I don't want anything. I don't want the money. I don't want, I just want my name. I always picture Susan Sarandon doing that. <laughs> like, I'm good. I just want the name. Okay, where can we find it? If it's only available on, you know, VHS and Blu-ray and whatnot. Is it available on any live streams, you think? I don't know if it's streaming or not. I mean, I guarantee it's on Amazon. Well, anything You have is, to yeah. pay for it. Pin wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And that's sad. Uh, slight, brief, five-second tangent. So my friend Nathan Duke who came into town this weekend and gave me his entire VHS collection from his childhood. And it's fucking awesome. We were talking about obscure movies and he, he was like, have you seen Pin, the Canadian movie? And I was like, we literally we just, just watched that for the podcast. I guess you don't listen. Like, you start listening, man. Uh-huh. Get on board. I own, uh, Screen Factor did a Blu-ray of this. So that's what we're going to watch. I'm looking at it right there, sitting right there. Yep. So that's what we're going to do. Here we go. Amazon. Um, Yeah, I'm sure it's Amazon. Do it to it. Give Chris Randon some love for something that's not Princess Bride or Frightening. Okay. Here we go then. Mind the doors. Then, from the author of Terror, H.P. Lovecraft... From the director of Return of the Living Dead. There's no evil in what I do, so long as I do it rightly. The Resurrected. I struck depths that your little cannot fathom. He lived centuries ago. It is to be expected. The dead take much blood. But for him, death was only the beginning. The cops found eight. Count them eight boxes of human remains. Turns out they've had a rash of tomb snatchings over in Europe. Now, this wizard from the past. Don't you understand what's going on down here, Lonnie? He beat death. Has teamed with a man from the present. He's talking about bringing people back from the dead. To create an evil that will last forever. As the hunger grows, my control will surely weaken. The best we can hope for it is to somehow diminish Charles's homicidal and cannibalistic impulses. The curse of the formerly dead is the hunger. And it will not be denied. Chris Sarandon of Fright Night and Child's Play. 
They have drawn down the demons from the stars. There'll be no salvation for thee. John Terry of In Country and Full Metal Jacket. Jane Sibbett of television's The Famous Teddy Z. The destinies of all things, living and dead. The Resurrected. We're recording. Welcome back from watching Chris Sarandon perform as a gross melty guy in The Resurrected. It's a Chris Sarandon twofer. Twofer? Why do you say twofer? Oh, because he plays both parts. Yeah, he plays two roles. He plays his... Uh... And there's weirdly still not enough Chris Sarandon in this movie, <laughs> which is going to be something that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Okay. What do you mean? Um, okay. Well, basically... Well, all right. Well, let's recap the plot. Let's right. go, We have an order for this. and Let's go in it. So, recap the plot. There are no rules. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing as before. A man tries to deal with immortality and accidentally brings back his five times great-grandfather who then kills him and takes over his life while trying to continue finding immortality. And there's a detective. And do they end up hooking up? I, mm, I don't think... I think they're all in his dream. Um... Is the, IM, is the IMDb one a little more succinct and not as rambly? Here's the IMDb synopsis. As per you. Numero uno. Charles Dexter Ward's wife enlists the help of a private detective to find out what her husband is up to in a remote cabin owned by his family for centuries. Spoiler alert. It's like necromancy and immortality and like monsters in a pit. So when you come back from the dead or, you know, when you're, re- when you're brought back, you can only eat... You have to eat like, to a, eat lot a, a lot of blood in order to maintain alive. it. Like a vampire. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's the but twist. Is not that in a sexy way. It ends up being um, not the poor man who was like, who was married to Carol from Friends, but <laughs> her his old dead pioneer, like great-great-grandfather. Yeah. Uh, this I think this has the same theme. As a lot of Lovecraft, which is... Don't fuck with immortality? Yeah, using uh, science... I don't... I have never understood... As a sort of magic to extend your life or make yourself immortal? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a running thing with him, but... I, yeah. I didn't really want to go too much into that, because that's really just the surface of this movie. I kind of wanted to talk to you for a minute about what in this movie it works and is awesome, because parts of this movie... Are really good. And parts of it were really are dumb. really fucking bad. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. So overall, <laughs> it's like this weird mixture where sometimes I'm watching the movie and I'm like, huh, I'm in it. Like, I'm super into this part of the movie. And, and then, then like two scenes later, I'm like, bored out of yeah. my fucking mind. It was kind of like a zipper that way. Like, up and then... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. So for those of you who are film history savvy, this movie kind of plays like double indemnity. Never saw they, it. That's the first movie I, I can think of that has the sequence of it's a detective or a detective equivalent who is wounded. Because that, that's basically the spoiler. That's the opening of Double Indemnity. He's an insurance salesman who goes to his office and then starts recording uh, and the story. The ba- okay, yeah. And then the whole story is told in flashback as he's like sitting in his office bleeding and like mm-hmm. speaking to record. That is what happened. That's basically this movie. However... Um, there's a lot more to it than Fred, that. Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity is way more interesting 
than John Terry's. I think uh, what I think worked, and we talked about it at the time, was uh, the private detective's like assistant, who was played by the guy from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you, we point, you know, you pointed out, and then we picked up on each time how he mentions that he quit smoking, and he always, you know, chewing on something or just that little affectation that we know all uh, people quitting smoking have. It was kind of a nice yeah. realism that was brought into here's, it. Here's what I don't understand about this movie, like you just said, like he was awesome, Chris Sarandon was awesome in both parts. Uh, the effects were really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, the effects were and, very and, cool. You know, well the the digital not the digital effects because some of the digital no, the effects practical. are shaky, but the practical yes. effects are really good. Here's what I do not like about this movie. Go for it. This movie is predicated around a story that is really interesting, being told through the most boring two Tropey. characters oh, yeah. in the whole fucking story. Who you literally have Chris Sarandon, who's by his very nature. Interesting. Like, Chris is a very fucking interesting guy. Correct. I want to spend time with him. I just want to hear him talk. He's very charismatic, and it comes through on the screen. Yeah. So you hire Chris Sarandon to play two roles, and then you're like, we're barely ever going to have him on TV. It would have made more on sense. The it would have made more sense to have the wife find the diary and have her tell it from her point of view as reading it through his point of view. Yeah. I guess that would have been confusing. Or, I'll be honest, I think a lot of the problems in this movie could have been solved if you just would have cast Chris Sarandon as the fucking detective. Rather than... Because that's, a that's good who point. you spend the time with, and that's what I'm interested in. Rather than... I see what you're saying. Just recast it. Just flip the parts. Were there any other... Hmm. I don't think this was one where, like, no one's listening to the woman. Because the whole point is that they are listening to the woman. Yeah. Uh... I get normally it's like a female character in a lot of these movies will say something, do whole, something, and you're like, if you just want to listen to her, like Ripley and Aliens or an yeah. alien, it's like, oh, everything would have been fine. But <laughs> I don't think that is because the whole point of the detective coming in was because the woman and she was kind of an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line, listener, this movie has some really cool effects, and Chris Sarandon. Choose the fucking scenery in a glorious way. Even while wearing a straight jacket. Yeah, whenever he's playing the old-timey relative who's been resurrected. But the main character is the detective. Very boring. And the other main character is Chris Rennan's wife. And they are the two most boring fucking characters in this movie. There's no chemistry. They're so dull. It's, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, there are good parts, and then there are super low parts. Yeah, like anytime Sarandon pops up as either one of the characters, you're I'm like, like Ooh, "Cool, I'm in." And then every time, uh, was it Richard Roman or Robert Romanus? I don't know that. Yeah, popped up, and he'd be like chewing on something or trying to not smoke, and I was like, I would watch him. Like you I'm could, watching the background actor in yeah. the scene rather than the people. I found that myself are, like, doing that a lot, doing the exposition and telling me what the fuck is happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a problem. <laughs> yes, for sure. The matter, okay. I don't know. Are we going to apply Arkov to this? We can. So Samuel Z. Arkov, exploitation, producer, acronym, last name. <laughs> it's just a random smattering um, of words. Whatever. Okay. A, action. Yes, there's action right away We because we start in media race. Yeah. Actually, in media fiend like we're at the end the setup for the story with what happened and how it circulates 
like it moves in a circle back to the ending. Yeah. Which is that's what really cool. And then the effects for that ending I thought were really cool. But But again, it's the most goddamn boring character that we have to follow and listen to tell us the story. Yeah, I agree. I really agree with you on that. Revolutionary in its thinking and way of doing things. Not really. I mean the idea This is based off a short story that was very similar to previous short stories uh being written. So not even the source material is. It was kind of going back to the well again. Yeah, and then also by this point we had had a lot of like better kind of adjacent Lovecraft adaptations. Okay. So, no, I wouldn't say this is revolutionary. (laughs) Uh, Killing, yes. In fact, um, there's a flashback to, like, the colonial era, and they pull, like, pieces of a body out, and it was so realistic and so foul. It wasn't gory. It was, like, oh, bloated and slimy, and, like, that's what it looks like. It Mm -hmm. was so foul. Yes, definitely killing oratory i think they went for it i think every time chris sarandon spoke especially as the old guy he was going for a memorable line however i don't think it hit that mark yeah i i I don't think that the script was inherently memorable i think if chris sarandon says much to you when he puts that like shakespearean oomph behind it Mm -hmm. it becomes cooler than whatever the source material is but so it's still... I feel bad. Like, I feel like I just... I'm like, hit that record button so I could shit on this movie. Aww. And there were things I liked about it. But it's really frustrating because it could have been a, a such better movie. And I don't blame Dan O'Bannon, the director, because we talked about the front half. Right. This movie got taken away and got chopped to pieces. And I think... And had a, no control over Yeah. That. I think a lot of what we saw in the dream sequence were probably actually film scenes mm-hmm. that would have explained a lot and kind of padded out some yeah. of the more weaker area more weak some of the weaker areas and i think john terry and um john terry's the detective i think his performance got chopped down because they cut all of the one-liners and comedy out and i think he played it kind of like dry li- with like some jokes and, and then all they the jokes cut, cut the jokes i out. can see that so it just it seems like he's just constantly setting something up that never happens so when you cut those jokes out he just sounds like a boring dick. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he does. Um, fantasy and fornication. Yes, there's fantasy, obviously. We're going to talk about time travel and whatnot. Fornication? No, not really. No, I'm glad. I don't want to see anyone in this movie fuck, except for Chris Randall. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He did make a really nice couple with um, Carol from Friends. They did look very cute together in the pictures, but there was very little time together yeah. on screen, so you couldn't really... They think they had one scene. Maybe yeah. it's a two. Two. When you don't count, like, the flashback of him, like, finding when they found the portrait. When she he, she chases him out of the house, and she's like, these are your dinner guests, and he's like, I don't care. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it, you're so good. <laughs> um, he does all the heavy lifting in this movie. I don't want to, like, shortchange anyone else in this movie, but Chris Sarandon... If by chance you hear this, you're a fucking saint, and I love you. And I yeah. can't wait to watch Fright Night. This movie just made me want to watch Fright Night. Oh, okay. Every time you pop up, I'd be like, why is this not Fright Night? Because <laughs> the movie's a million times better. Okay, that's fair. Would we watch this again, and would you watch it with the kids? Now, how many times have you have you seen this movie? I have not seen this movie 
since VHS. Oh, wow. So we're going back a So it's been see. a hot minute. I think probably the early, ni- like a year or two after it got released is the first time I saw it. And I've okay. not seen it since then. So I think my child brain <laughs> was like, this movie is not that bad. Right. And I watch it as an adult. I'm like, this movie is oh, hit it, and miss. It was Cindy's body. Ladybugs all over again. Would um, So would you watch it again? I don't know. I liked uh, From Beyond. I mean, From Beyond so better. Um, so good. And I think what was the other one that we watched? The uh, the void. The hospital. Yeah, the void was even better. It had more tension. I don't know. Let's wait till the end of the month for me to make a decision on that. Uh, any noteworthy or mentionable kind of like well, awards or known for? This no? won a Fangoria Chainsaw Award. For best direct to video release. Okay. So that's a thing. And Dan O'Bannon was presented the prize by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. We did. We watched that. Circa like 92, like Reservoir Dogs era, Quentin Tarantino. So that's a thing. Um, I, I think it's before we go, it's worth noting a couple things. So the original short story, uh, the, the Case of Charles Dexter Ward, first appeared in Weird Tales magazine, which was one of the best magazines ever. Oh, so it was even in like into the 90s with you? No. You Weird just Tales magazine is from like the 30s. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was like a continuing thing. Awesome. Okay. Like all of these great stories and like horror, science fiction, fantasy authors got their start writing for magazines like Weird Tales. Okay. Like I think it was Weird Tales or like an equivalent where Conan first debuted. Like Robert E. Howard wrote his first Conan story for it. Okay. Almost all of okay. Lovecraft's stories were in these, like, because they're short, they're like six, six, seven pages mm-hmm. long. They're almost all of them debuted in yeah. like places like Weird Tales, World, uh, Weird Tales magazine. So, I just, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, to to give a shout out to Weird. We, uh, if I could talk Weird Tales magazine. Um, also, this story that this movie this movie is based on is the first mention of uh, Yog. Sothoth, which is maybe the second most famous of all of the Lovecraftian elder god deities okay, behind sure. Cthulhu. Okay, because everyone's heard of Cthulhu, so it's this is number two, and this is the first time they, that Yog Sothoth is ever mentioned. I love that name, Yog Sothoth, in this story. Okay, and then um, in the original story, Joseph Kerwin, which is the old-timey Chris Sarandon okay. <laughs> is in possession of the Necronomicon or a copy of the Necronomicon. All right. So, which is something that was stolen by uh, the creators of the Evil Dead, like Sam Oh, Randy, okay. I see what you're they saying. they did their version of the Necronomicon, but it was this powerful book of ancient incantations and whatnot. Interesting. In that H.P. Lovecraft. So it can be. Okay, yeah. Yep. And this is not the first time that story's been adapted. Mm-hmm. Roger Corman made a Super loose adaptation. Um, in <laughs> super loose. I'm going to say super loose. Yeah, in 1963, called The Haunted Palace, and it starred Vincent Price and Lon Vincent Chaney. Vincent Price. Uh, and it was wrongfully accredited to Edgar Allan Poe because it was in the middle of like the big Roger phase. Corman's Poe movies. So... They were like, let's just give credit to Poe so then people be like, I'm going to go see this Poe movie because (laughs) Corman's knocking these out of the park, but it's actually a Lovecraft story. 
All right. So I wouldn't have known the difference. Like, well, I think now I would have. Poe didn't really fuck with monsters. Poe was all like, "It's a serial killer, and we're gonna use science to find him." And Lovecraft's like, "Or it's a monkey." Yeah, and Lovecraft's like, "There's an ancient god who fell from space and lives in the bottom of the ocean." And that's where, yeah. And he radiates evil, and if he ever wakes up, he'll destroy the universe. It's like, okay, that's that's fucking crazy. Um, that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) What are we watching next week? We're continuing with our H.P. Lovecraft monsters. I almost said From Beyond, but that's the name of the movie. Uh, What are... So... Oh, is is next week the end of the month? Four weeks? Okay, we have another one. We're only two weeks in. All right. Try to push the rest of this week because The Void was last month. That's right. It was the rollover. um, Fair. It it was my connector movie. I remember remember it now. (laughs) Uh, We are going back... To the Stuart Gordon well next week with Dagon. Dagon. Yeah. D-A-G-O-N. Um, Dagon. That's how I would pronounce that. Some, Dagon. Some sketchy special effects await us next week, but it's Stuart Gordon, so I'm in it to win it. Okay, the then. The man who gave us From Beyond. Fair. I like that one. Better than this one. No. Nah. I actually am really excited for the last movie of the month, but... We'll get there when we get there. All right. Well, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Yay. Also, before we go, I'm sorry. Like, if you didn't want you listen to this episode and you, like, are, are saying to yourself, this movie sounds terrible, I'm not going to watch it. You should watch it. It's worth a watch, but maybe yeah. don't buy no, it. Oh, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> worth it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.